Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. We spoke with Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell about concerns about emergency housing in Falconer, new union contracts, and more. Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell joins us today by phone to talk about everything that is going on around the county. Thanks for calling in today. Uh, Thanks for having me. So we had a county legislature meeting last night, and and at the second privilege of the floor, uh, Falconer Mayor Mayor Jim Jaruzinski expressed some concern about people being provided emergency housing by the Department of Social Services at one of the hotels in the center of the village, and some of the concerns that he brought up as well as a couple business owners was that you know there's people who have mental health and substance abuse issues being housed there where there's not really a ready access to the services they need in the village and they also were requesting that county dss look at maybe placing these people at alternate sites so is this something that has been on the dss radar or is this something that the county has been working on knowing that you know there have been some issues with emergency housing in the county uh, as it was brought to my attention last night, some, uh, there have been some legislators working on this. Uh, you know, it's a it's a challenging situation. Um, you know, certain hotels have been you know used for many many years. Um, you know, it's an increased problem, and you know we have to look at it. And um, you know, we'll take this to consideration. I have a meeting this afternoon with our social services director and mental health social services. So we'll this will be a topic of discussion, and we will. Uh, yeah, we'll sit down and we'll look at it and, you know, see where things are. It, it's, I understand the frustration, uh, please. It, it's understandable 100%. Um, but they're also, you know, they're residents. They're, 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 they're human beings. They're, they're people, families. So we, uh, we need to find the right areas for them, uh, you know, the right situations. And we'll, we'll keep looking at that. Is this a situation where I know that the, the, the vehicle still has to go through a certificate of need, but is this a situation where the, the new mobile health unit that uh, that Department of Health has brought on could maybe be assistance in the future? It could be. Uh, again, we're, you know, we're looking at these mobile clinics that there's an opportunity. And really, the, again, there are other agencies. You know, the Chautauqua Centers, our, HQF, our FQHC, they have a mobile unit as well. So, there are opportunities. It's a matter of getting, you know, getting people together and, and looking at, uh, you know, what we can do to provide health care, uh, you know, to those who aren't able to get to it and, and other services as well. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit more and, you know, find, uh, you know, find some ways to, to assist. But, uh, again, I just, you know, we'll have to find the details out and, and where we are. Uh, but, again, I, I can't really comment without getting in, you know, having really dug too deep into this just yet. Mm-hmm. So last week of the month, or I should say this week of the month, tends to be a busy one for Chautauqua County government. You also were at the Chautauqua County 
Industrial Development Agency board meeting on Tuesday, and you addressed the release of the report by the State Authority's Budget Office on the audit of the IDA, and that report had listed a number of actions that the IDA was requested to correct. Uh, can you talk about some of these actions and, and talk about that release of the report? Well, you know, what's, what's interesting is, uh, you know, the... <laughs> You have to look at it in general. First of all, you know, the IDA, and they have never once, uh, you know, been oppositional. They've, they've worked hand-in-hand uh, -hand with the authority's budget office. Um, and, you know, there, they, there were several items they believed needed to be changed going forward, and those processes had already begun, um, you know, with the ABOs. And, and I said yesterday, and, uh you know, it's interesting. We, you know, I, I have a, a local critic who, who keeps reminding me, uh, this is now my legacy. But what they also have to realize is the IDA is a public authority. And, you know, I guess it would beg to say, why has the authority's budget office not looked at the county of Chautauqua IDA in its 50 years of existence? Why has there been 50 years before an audit takes place? And, you know, what prompted the audit? And like was said in the, in, the ABO's report, these were opinions of the ABO. Um, again, they work hand-in-hand. Hand. They are a, uh, an arm of the comptroller's office. And knowing Tom DiNapoli, if there were any improprieties, his, his office would be investigating this. And this would be taken to a different level. There are certain things where, uh, you know, they talked about commingling of funds. It's, you know, the funds were in one general account. Now you can put them in two separate accounts. There are things that are not earth-shattering and, you know, nefarious, but it's the terminology that they use. And let, let's go back, and I'm not pivoting, I'm not pointing, uh, pushing the blame, but let's go back to some of the criticisms that were brought against, uh, you know, our county jail and the verbiage used there uh, and, and really, you know, the state's way of, of painting this picture of this horrible atrocity when, you know, one, their opinions and their things that needed to be corrected and will be corrected already, you know, in the process of correction. So I guess looking at it, where has the ABO been for the last 50 years? You, you, you have an authority in, in a county, and you once in 50 years you come in to audit them, and then, you know, the criticism, you know, they have never said they walked on water, nor are they perfect. So there will be changes, and some of these changes have, have begun already and have begun prior to the ABO. But I hold true to my position that, you know, the ABO, the Authority Budget Office, has had the IDAs across the state in their crosshairs. And my belief is they don't want people to know how difficult it is to do business here in New York State. That if you're not giving mortgage tax abatements or sales tax abatements or pilot programs or incentives from, you know, ESD and Empire State Development Corp and, and, and other groups, this is not going to come to Chautauqua County or New York State. You know, I, I think the the ABO is going to be critical of Chautauqua County. I would like somebody to look into and see what incentives were brought about to bring, you know, to get the, the contract for the Buffalo Bills Stadium in Erie County or, you know, the, the new uh, massive investment of Micron in Onondaga County. I can guarantee you those businesses did not come here without incentives, pilots, tax incentives, and, you know, tax abatement. So um, to say that there's some anomaly to Chautauqua County, you know, I, I beg to differ. Um, but this is something, you know, obviously, you know, that is on the radar. And it's unfortunate. What was unfortunate more so is that this story leaked months or weeks before the actual report came out. Um, but, you know, the IDA has taken this. They're taking it responsibly and making corrections. So, again, 
feel confident, but, you know, as accusations are made, uh, you know, the, the board doesn't do their work or their, their rubber stamps, et cetera, I, I beg to differ. Um, IDA has been, you know, very, very accommodating. Um, and, again, I stand by the fact that, you know, things have been done. In the opinion of the ABO, this is what they would recommend changing. But, again, there were no laws broken, nothing illegal was, was taking place. So corrections will be made and we'll be better for it. When it comes to these kinds of audits, now, I, I imagine this is something that the ABO does. They do of every kind of IDA, and they just probably maybe move their way around New York State. So this is not something that they just, is this, is that, am I correct in that assumption that, that they just pick someone every year and that's who they audit that year and they move on to the next the next year? Correct, yeah. It was it was interesting you said that because I, I, I forget if it was at our, our NACO meeting, uh, Excuse me, our NISAC meeting, or, or there's a meeting uh, in with um, the the planning departments and the IDAs. You know, it was it was common knowledge. Like, oh, he goes, you know, you're their target this year. Is what other you know IDA directors said to Mark Ice. And and you know, if you look at this, you know, we we want to talk in, in the criticisms of people. You know, you also have to remember that they were awarded ten million dollars from the Small Business Administration. And then we're given more money from the Small Business Administration to get out to our businesses. So if this is a group with, this, with such improprieties and, uh, you know, uh, you know ir- irregularities, as was quoted to me today, with their, their finances, the federal government wouldn't be giving them money and then another tranche of money to get out to our businesses. Uh, you know, again, their scrutiny. Has, has there been questionable, licensing questionable? Have people questioned things the IDA has done? Certainly. Um, but there again, you know, these are businesses, and some businesses take off and flourish, and some businesses don't. Um, you know, again, every every critic is always going to tell you, you know, where the, the person had made the mistakes. But you know, at the same time, uh, they are. This is a this is a, a common thing that happens across New York State, and there'll be another county. But if you look at other counties, uh, and you look at the aftermath of the ABO, uh, it wasn't a, a rosy picture for the county, but. You know, there are counties that have sent it far worse. According to the um, the report, it said that the IDA now has 90 days to implement recommendation, recommendations, which, which the IDA is doing, or that the IDA could be censored. And we kind of wondered, what does that mean? I mean, does the ABO have the authority to, I don't know, like fine the IDA? Or is just censoring saying, well, you didn't do what we told you to do. Here's a slap on your hand. I mean, it doesn't sound like that's going to be a case here because, as you said, we've heard from Mark Geis and from yourself and from Gary Henry that, you know, these recommendations are being put into place. But do you know what that means, if, uh, the censoring? That I don't. I, I do not know. Um, like anything else, that, you know, if a, if a, if a group come, comes through to do an audit, there obviously is going to be some sort of penalty or, or some sort of punishment. What that entails, we don't know. Uh, but I think what also people need to realize is there are two attorneys that are on the IDA board. Uh, so this idea that something how is, is, is not on the up and up, uh, very reputable attorneys in Chautauqua County. So I would, you know, you know, rest assured that these individuals are, you know, do have the oversight in making sure that we're doing things properly. So, uh, again, I don't know what the punishment could be. Uh, I don't want to see it. Let's make the corrections, we'll make the adjustments, and we'll get things moving in the right direction. So that's the way I look at it. Uh, let's do what we have to do and move on. 
So this afternoon, uh, there's going to be a new branding for Chautauqua County's transit system, which we currently have known as CARTS for several decades. And so this new CHQ Transit is going to be unveiled this afternoon. Uh, we're talking before it happens, but people won't hear this interview until after the unveiling is done. So can you tell us a little bit more about what it, people can expect? Well, I couldn't be more excited. What people are going to see are, are new buses and a new look. Uh, it's not going to be the white bus with a, a, a blue stripe and carts uh, in red adorning the top. Uh, they're going to be wrapped. Uh, Cathode Ray has come around, and they've taken pictures of multiple places in Chautauqua County. One of the things uh, we asked, and really it was Michelle Westfall and her team, uh, began the concept. And, uh, you know, we wanted to have pictures on the side of the buses that were relative to the area. You know, for example... You know, you're going to see a bus in Jamestown with, you know, Robert H. Jackson, the center, the Comedy Center, uh, you know, the Third Street Bridge, different aspects of, of Jamestown. You're not going to see a, a vineyard and a picture of the Dunkirk Lighthouse. Uh, you know, but in Dunkirk, is a really, it was really the first one that I saw. Uh, it was a picture of a, a fishing boat in the harbor, the boardwalk there. Uh, I think it was the, the lighthouse or the NRG plant in the background, which is synonymous with the Dunkirk waterfront. And then one side was City Hall. Like, no, 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 wait a minute, let's get all. So I think that bus turned out to where there were the rainbow Adirondack chairs looking out into Lake Erie and the stage for you know, music on the pier on Thursday nights, the shops, the fishing boat, and NRG. So it's a, it's a bus, it's the Dunkirk route that is Dunkirk. So, you know, I'd like to, for people to get on the bus and be like, oh, this is, you know, we're on the right bus, or even county residents. Yeah, I'm in Jamestown. Well, I want to get on the, the bus that has Jamestown pictures. Um, or when, you know, tourists use it or, or you know, people come into visit, they'll be like, oh, wait, I, you know, they get off the bus after using it. It's like, oh, there's a, you know, this is Lucy uh, Desi Museum. This is, so they assimilate, you know, where they were with the pictures on the bus. Really excited about this. We have new buses. There's new trolleys. It's just going to be a new face and kind of uplifting uh, and not to mention just physically, but there's also going to be new apps and different uh, different things for us to, uh, you know, showcase with uh, our, our carts of CHQ Transit going forward. And uh, I was thinking about the... Um the the trolleys now the trolleys are something they're they're unique too they're so they're different than what we see with the buses going around right uh yes yeah uh the the uh the trolleys are some of them are out there's, there's been some hiccups with with two of them but we have had one of them out you will start to see those out um we are looking at you know rentals and charters if you will so really excited about what that uh what that brings you know, going forward. And thinking about public transportation, that access to public transportation is something that's come up a lot in some of the community meetings I've gone to and also on community conversations that we've had here on WRFA, especially when it comes to being able to find jobs. And so is the county, has the county looked at ways to whether alter routes or, you know, change services to help with that issue? Yes, so there were studies that were done prior to this of, of routes that could be changed. And, uh, you know, the details of all that I would leave to Michelle Westfall. Um, but, you know, the buses will be, there'll be colors to them. And obviously, the, you know, the routes have changed um, as well. And, and when you're, you know, using, looking at public transportation, you know, we're not the city of Buffalo or Niagara Falls or, or New York City, for that matter, or Rochester, or any large city. You know, we're a smaller area. And, you know, we need to do what's right and make sure that things are accommodating. And, you know, not only effective for our residents, but also, 
you know, are cost-effective for our taxpayers as well. So, uh, you know, I know there were some some routes that were reevaluated and uh, have been changed. So, you know, with that, uh, I really have all the faith and confidence in Michelle Westfall and her team that, uh, you know, they've done studies, they've looked at things, and they're going to put out, you know, the best product they can, uh, not only for the riders and the users, but the taxpayers as well. Great. So, county legislature passed two four-year uh, union contracts for CACA Unit 6300 and the CCSEA last night. Uh, so, these are the the first four-year contracts that have been passed. Uh, last year was uh, they did a one-year extension, and then the last set was uh, went from 2019 through 2022. So, is there anything that you'd like to comment on those uh, those two packages that were passed? Well, I think you know one of the things you we look at is, you know, the equity of, of the, the contract. Uh, you know, we look at, you know, the, the rate. It was uh, basically 90-10. 90% were voted in favor of it, 10% didn't. You know, they, they look at everything, and, and I, again, it's very equitable. There are some, there are some uh, you know, I know there's some questions that people had about bonuses that were paid, but in the end, um, the bonus is more effective uh, than, than, you know, the, the, the salary increase. So there were... Uh, there were a lot of things that you know both sides agreed upon. It was you know, like we said yesterday; it was a win-win. So again, very confident uh, in our. I can't say enough for our negotiation team. They did a great job. Deb Mikowski, Pat Flago, Kitty Crow, John D'Angelo, uh, and again, you know, working with our, our union leadership, Don Williams and John Sedota, and their group, uh, Lisa Fotman and uh, Bonnie Peters, as well as others. Uh, I don't want to frame. I'm probably forgetting somebody. Carrie Wendell, I think, was another one. No relation. Uh, but, uh, again, you know, both groups uh, were did a great job. Uh, you know, initial talks started in February, and really by the end of June we had this wrapped up. Um, so, you know, there was a little bit of a delay at the end just to make sure that uh, there was a tentative agreement in June, uh, but nothing could – the votes couldn't happen that early, so um, they had – they took their time, got out to the, their membership, and uh, – you know, we had a, a solid, uh, you know, 90% of the voters uh, for the union were in favor of it. Uh, so that's a really positive sign, and uh, we think it's equitable for everybody. And really excited to put this to rest. And now with the budget process coming up, we know what to budget for. Uh, I know as a legislator one year, uh, I believe when I was chairman, we, we passed the, we approved the contract after the budget was passed, which made it a little bit challenging. Uh, and obviously there were budget amendments at the end. So uh, all in all, a good job by everybody. Really excited to just, uh, you know, get back to work. Our, our unions do a great job for us and, and can't say enough about, you know, un- what our union leadership and, two, uh, the relationship we have that's always been very positive and uh, very impactful for both sides. Mm-hmm. Legislator Terry Nebel, he had mentioned that, you know, talking budgetarily, that these contracts will have uh, a $1.7 million impact on the 2024 budget. So you obviously, you know, going into the process of what you're looking at. Uh, he mentioned that he's hoping that, you know, there'll be ways that that cost is absorbed and, you know, and it's not like a full $1.7 million on top of whatever else would normally be in the budget. Are, are you looking at ways to cut expenses or, you know, find efficiencies, as he said last night, to help with this going forward for the next four years? Well, certainly. I mean, there, 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 are, two, there are two standards in, in Chautauqua County government, and I mean this in a, in a really good way. Obviously, it's my job and the job of all the department heads to give us the most efficient and effective county budget. budget. And Terry has always been a constant 
steward and stalwart for, you know, our taxes to make sure that our budget is as lean as possible, but in a way that, you know, we're doing what we can to protect our taxpayers, and that's what this is all about. And Terry is a champion for everyone uh, in his district, as all of our re- legislators are. Uh, but you know, Legislator Nebel's been, you know, on audit control, and he's he's been at the forefront uh, of tax relief for our residents, and, you know, that was very well taken. And, yes, those are things we're going to look at. Uh, you know, that that's one small piece of, of the, the moving parts to the budget. Right, so we know our EF map has been affected. We know that um, you know there's pieces with our our legal system and, and what's now required by the county to pay for uh, legal services. Uh, it, it there's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, 1.7 million dollars is something we have to look at. But as we move forward, you know that's a local share that that you know has a direct that is directly funded from taxpayers so we need to make sure that we do offset that with revenue and, and that'll be the job of of one our departments and then myself and, and our budget team as we move forward to present the budget to the legislature and, and at the end of the day you know the budget the legislature has a final review of the budget so if there are things that you know legislator Nebel finds or others legislators find the ways to reduce then then that's what we do uh, you know again this isn't uh, you know that what he was talking about is, is bringing everything, you know, to, to everybody's memory, but these are things we do every year for the budget, and you know, I appreciate, you know, legislative evil and all he does. He's, uh, he's on top of it. He is definitely a watchdog when it comes to our budget and county finances. That, that definitely is true. Uh, when, it, when it comes to other union contracts, do you know where you stand with the other unions? Or is everything set for a little while, or do you have, like, I didn't know if they were kind of like, okay, you got this group done, but next year this union's back up again? Uh, where, where are no, I think, we're, I think we're pretty good for a while now. Uh, I have to double-check. I know we, we ratified some unions. These are the two biggest ones that we, we had right now is, is um, 6300 and CCSEA. Last year we, we uh, finalized our budget with our sheriff's deputies um, and our uh, sheriff's uh, lieutenants and captains as well. So we're in a pretty good position right now uh, as far as our contracts go. So, uh, it's, you know, just get everybody, let's get everybody working. Let's, uh, you know, keep on doing what the county does. Since we're talking about the budget, that you have a new person who is uh, started as the new budget director. I think she, st- she starts today, isn't it, the 27th? Yep, yep, today's the first day. So can you yep. tell, tell us more about uh, Jennifer Swan? So Jen Swan came to us uh, several years ago uh, from originally the Gebby Foundation. Uh, as I was chair, um, uh, I found out that Jen was hired by the sh- uh, then Sheriff Jirafi. Uh She's worked as the uh, fiscal manager in the Sheriff's Department. Um, fiscal supervisor, I think, is actually the title, but... Uh, Ironically and uniquely enough, uh, the same position held by Kathleen Dennison uh, prior to Kathleen becoming the uh, county budget director. So uh, that's not a pass, uh, a given pass. That's just a uniqueness that, that both Kathleen and Jennifer came from the Sheriff's Department. Uh, you know, she's been in county government now for several years. She understands the system like anything else. Uh, you know, there's a new person coming in, but uh, Kathleen Dennison is still uh, working here uh part-time and, and helping uh, wrap things up for other departments uh, with our fiscal departments. And as well, Kitty Crow was our budget director for 12 years. So uh, Jen has her knowledge. She'll bring that to the table as well as Kitty's experience and Kathleen. But, 
you know, Jen's hitting the ground running. Uh, the budget process has already begun, so there'll be initial meetings that start um, in the next couple of weeks, and uh, they get to their budget presentation in my office where we, several days for several hours, you know, review each department, you know, go over their budget and, uh, you know, look at what they've done and if we find any initial ways to cut um, or, you know, any ways we can find efficiency. So she's got to work it out for her. But, uh, you know, after the, the committee, you know, went through the interview process and selected Jen, we feel, uh, you know, she'll do a good job. You know, and, and hats off, we had several very qualified candidates. Uh, with the process, but you know that, that budget team has really been uh, stellar here in the county. We're we're going to continue that tradition. Mm-hmm. Another item that was passed by the legislature last night was the use of twenty six thousand dollars in bed tax monies for dredge work at Barcelona Harbor. So, is this new work that is happening? Well, some clarification. Okay, uh, it's it's work that has happened. Um, so. If you remember correctly, we had um, federal funding thanks to Congressman Langworthy when uh, first took office and assisted with Senator, uh, Senator Schumer and Gillibrand uh, to have uh, the the harbor, as Bob Benkowski mentioned last night, the, the safe refuge uh, entrance to the harbor was completely blocked. Uh, when, when I did a video a couple months ago, I was actually walking across what is now open water, uh, which was open water four years ago. Uh, so... The history was we come in and we dredged that federal channel out, and while they were there, the town of Westfield said, would you be able to clear out you know, areas right here in front of the pier uh, for boaters, smaller boats, to get in and out as well? And they agreed to that, and we worked hand-in-hand with the town of Westfield, and they, uh, they had a budget, and they really, the uh, dredging crew said it would take three days, and Westfield had uh, the funding for two and the county came in and was able to find the funding for the third day. So the, the work had already been done, but we knew we had money in the 2% reserve. Um, so in contact with Dave McCoy and myself, uh, we, you know, got the, got the job started. Uh, and we're very confident that, you know, the county legislature would support, you know, the funding is $26,000. So it got them an extra day of dredging. It really assisted the town of Westfield as well as, you know, the Barcelona Harbor itself, which is, a very, very active, uh, you know, public and private use uh, harbor. We have fisheries to go out of there. We have uh, charter boats, whether it's diving or fishing, uh, as well as just local boat users, the recreational users that have that harbor. So it was uh, it was money well spent to get that harbor opened up a little bit more. And, um, you know, we're, we're hearing rumblings that there could be some more uh, good things to come for Barcelona Harbor. So um, stay tuned, uh, but really excited. But, yeah, that money, you know, was used. Um, you know, to uh, continue uh, the dredging, but we found out that it's about a $50,000 charge just to bring the dredging company here from Ohio uh, with three large barges, their excavator, and a tug and some support vessels. Uh, it's no easy feat to get them here, and they don't move at lightning speed. So um, we figured it was the, the best investment to, while they were here, um, have them do, do this job and, you know, start to open up that, that harbor a little bit more. And obviously there was a big timing concern because you didn't want them coming this month when the season would have already been trying to start. Right, right. And, and, and if people remember the big push, I mean, they, they originally were not going to start this program until July 8th. Um, you know, and after, after sitting on a meeting with the Army Corps, uh, like, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. So we called the DEC 
Um, our Region 9 director, they, they evaluated it, and we were able to get the project started a little earlier. But um, a lot of comments were made by the, about the efficiency of the dredging group that came in. Um, there's still some more work that needs to be done, so we're going to look at that now in almost a phase two approach of, of how do we get the rest of that material out of Barcelona Harbor. So what we see, you know, piled almost 12 feet high above the waterline doesn't fall back in, and then we have the same problem, you know, we had this year. So more work to come, but, uh, you know, again, we're going to, you know, utilize all of our, our resources with the Army Corps, New York State DEC, our local towns, and uh, the county, and, you know, hopefully start to get them. Um, you know, some more of that material taken out. Okay. So one thing that it's, it's kind of been like an ongoing news uh, release from your office is that you have renewed uh, the executive orders, I, I should say the emergency order, uh, regarding the uh, ability for hotels or other entities to contract with New York City to allow, you know, to bring in migrants from New York City to the area. And this is something that there's now a lawsuit about. And I don't know if there's any update you can give us on what is happening with the lawsuit or happening with that situation. Well, the lawsuit um, obviously is, is underway. I was given some information yesterday that the lawsuit, original injunction uh, that was issued by Orange County uh, was sent back to Orange County. So New York City's uh, attempt to kind of, you know, backdoor the, and, and stop this wasn't successful. Uh, it's unfortunate. You know, there was a group of uh, county executives, you know, bipartisanly that met with Mayor Adams. And, uh, you know, we, we sat down and were very, very upfront with the situation, and everybody had the same position, right? The four counties that were involved have all signed states of emergency. Um, again, prohibiting this. Two of the counties added some additional languages. They, they want to be notified if this is going to happen in their counties. Now, Albany County was one of them. Uh, the mayor of the city of Albany did uh, bring people into Albany County, but they were not in the city of Albany. Unique situation. Um, but, you know, we here have, you know, have the prohibition for the towns, villages, and cities not to enter into a contract with the city of New York to bring migrants here. And likewise, we have a prohibition for hotels to do the same thing. The, the major point behind this is right now these people that are asylum seekers, again, they do not qualify for any state and federal programs. So let's say that we were having a request for a busload of 40 people to come to Chautauqua County. Where are they going to stay? And on the other side, who's paying for this? Now, New York City has to pay in perpetuity, but now New York City is seeking uh, legal action to stop payment after four months. So if these individuals are sent here from New York City, after four months New York City stops paying, then who is providing the funding for this if they don't have proper housing? The second piece is they're unable to work. Now, although there has been support from Senator Gillibrand to reduce the 180-day waiting period to 30 days, nothing has moved on that. So we haven't moved anywhere uh, as far as the uh, federal government or our state governor uh, making any sort of, of relief to anybody. Um, it has been said that, uh, you know, the Mayor Adams has been at the southern border telling people or has sent documentation that New York City is not the place to come. Uh, I, you know, they cannot guarantee we have the resources or, you know, the cost of living is much higher in New York than anywhere, New York City than anywhere else. The cost of food is much higher in New York City than anywhere else. So, again, this is a very troubling situation. We extended that order, and again, 
just last Friday I spoke to, you know, people that are working closely with this, and they said we have seen migrants coming in continuously. We've seen more coming in. Um, some are refugees. Some are asylum seekers. Some have left the area. Uh, but right now they're able to manage with where they're at right now. But an influx, again, you know, of, of 40 or 80 people, it's going to overwhelm them. And this is the same position that I've taken with Mayor Adams. You know, I, I was very upfront, and I said, you know, I'm talking to people on the ground. This isn't, you know, and what are we doing for these people? If we're going to bring them from where they, where they were, we're going to bring them to Chautauqua County where they sit here and languish. And in essence, you're telling me we're going to bring 40 people or 80 people to your county and we're going to, you're expecting us to violate state and federal labor laws because these people need to work. You know, we're told that the people that are here now are working, uh, but it's all under the table. So, you know, and, and, and people are, you know, they're concerned. There's some, you know, concern from the migrant populations here now, but they're still, they're, they're setting up roots in our county. They're, they're making Chautauqua County a home, and that's great news. Um, but, you know, the, the overarching position is our federal government and our state governor have done nothing, nothing to assist this. And as a matter of fact, there was another lawsuit that was President Biden did want to limit the number of people that were able to seek asylum in the United States. And there was a federal court that overruled that. So even in that case, the, the president made an issue to limit the number of people seeking asylum, and that was overruled. So who's in control right now? If the president made something and the court said, no, you can't limit the number of, of, of asylum seekers, which is something everyone has asked, the next thing is to close the southern border, and are they willing to do that? Um, but, you know, what we saw, there, there were more than just, um, you know, Mexican or Hispanic, Latino families coming across. Um, there are families coming, you know, from Africa, from the Congo, you know, escaping civil war over there and, and violence. Uh, you know, there was a family there from Mongolia. There are Chinese nationalists. There are people from the Middle East. So the southern border aren't just, you know, Hispanic, Latino individuals. It's a, it's a big, big mix of people. Um, and it, it brings to question, you know, the safety of our, of our country. What, thinking about all of that and, uh, and really, the one thing is that to remind listeners is that, like you said, you know, depending on if they are asylum seekers, they can't work right now. They can't access medic Medicaid, you know, to get health services, but should anything change with the federal government, which we, we know Senator Gillibrand has her legislation. I don't know that it's going to go anywhere. I'm not sure. I haven't heard any updates on that. Should say the federal, say Congress does pass her, her, her legislation, which would reduce the number of days that um, an asylum seeker has to wait to work from, I think, six months to 30 days. I think that was 30 days. Do you think that that would at least have help in some ways, you know, the situation, regardless of the other services they wouldn't be qualified for? 100%. 100%. These people that are here right now, some of them are working, the others want to work, and this is, you know, and again, I take, I personally take great offense that our governor says, well, they can work in our hospitality industry, they can work in our agriculture. So if I was a nurse in, in Columbia and I came here and I have a, I have a nursing license, 
why are we looking to get that person acclimated to New York State nursing licenses where we have a shortage of healthcare workers? Why are we telling them they can work in hotels cleaning and we can work in our farms? Uh, to me, it's somewhat degrading, isn't it? You know, these people have a skill set that is more than, you know, working in, uh, you know, servitude to, you know, jobs in Chautauqua County or anywhere in New York. I think we they need the opportunity to, you know, explore other opportunities. Uh, you know, again, you know, maybe not every country has the, the educational system we do, but, you know, if if I'm a nurse, can I take a test in New York State, or can I take an equivalency or a competency program, or can we put them through in a fast track in conjunction with WCA or, or even UPMC to get people, you know, working in our hospitals? It, it, it's mind-boggling that we have shortages, but, you know, in, in areas, but our governor comes out and says, well, they can work in our hospitality. They can work in our agriculture. They can also work in our manufacturing. They can also work in our colleges. Uh, I think that that's very short-sighted, you know, telling them where they can work. Uh, we, I have spoken with our local agriculture, and some of these uh, farms have people that come up here as migrant workers, and they have second- and third-generation families coming. So, you know, they, they, there's a system already in place. Um, and, again, we could always take more workers in various places, but kind of, you know, saying that this is where they're most suited, I think, is somewhat humiliating. Um, you know, if they are have a certain qualification or certification, what testing can they do to become certified in New York State? Uh, you know, those are things that I, I think, you know, our governor needs to look at, not, you know, look at, you know, stockpiling people that can work in our hotels and restaurants. I, there's, there's, there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Looking looking backwards in time, not too far backwards in time, but the, the Chautauqua County Fair took place all last week. I, I watched a video of you lighting the cannon <laughs> the set that started all off last week. How did things go with the, the fair? It went great. Um, you know, a little piece, if you watched last year's video, I kind of burned my thumb a little bit. Oh, dear. Uh, so this year's uh, cannon, cannon uh, lighting went off without a hitch. Uh, you know, we had a great tour of the 4-H barns by the Greenshirt Ambassadors. Uh, several former students of mine, uh, you know, were there. Uh, I was abducted, if you will, jokingly, by uh, two former students of mine and their friends who gave us a, a VIP back a stage tour, if you will, of, of the barns. Uh, Levi and Lucas Silver, they're just they're former students of mine, and uh, they, you know, they have uh, goats and pigs. Uh, last year they raised steer. Uh, but it, they got us, and you know, the video is really good. Um, but we got access to so many people, you know, children that raised rabbits and chickens and other animals, you know, steers and, and milking cows and beef cows and pigs and sheep, and it, it's mind-boggling. It's amazing. Uh, we did have history at the county fair this year in the 4-H barn that there was actually uh, a baby goat was born uh, from two, Monday night to Tuesday. Um, it wasn't there long. Uh, State vet was able had to send them home because it wasn't immunized. But um, I was told that goats you can't tell how pregnant they are, so they were going to do a sonogram. But I guess the baby goat wanted to come before the sonogram. So uh, some history was made there. But just what a great opportunity for for these kids to showcase, you know, what they do day in and day out, and you know the excitement that they have and, and the tradition, uh, the history. You know, I know the Overends. Uh, this is third generation, you know, raising pigs and sheep, so and goats not sheep but goats uh they, they do an awesome job and uh you know several uh, there are seniors that are aging out of 4-h uh moving on to bigger things so 
you know, that's something that we highlight. But there's so many other things, right? The amusements, the attractions, monster trucks, tractor pulls, demolition derby. We can't forget that. That's always a, fa- a fan favorite. Um, you know, the food on the Midway and the Midway itself. Um, you know, Powers and Thomas had a great, uh, great ride. So, again, all in all, it's a great experience. Uh, you know, it's a, you know, forget the actual number, um, 142 years maybe, but just, just a great, uh, great event. Really excited to be part of it, and uh, more so that we can have that little behind-the-scenes footage. But if anybody wants to, uh, you know, check out the county executive Facebook page. Uh, and Justin did a great job of, uh, you know, putting that video together with my my VIP tour guides, and really we had a great day. Really, really a lot of fun. I think that goat wanted some funnel cake. That's why he decided to make a historic appearance. So, <laughs> I think so. You know, I, you know, there were. It's amazing what they deep fry anymore. I mean, like just deep fried Oreos. It, it, if you walk along that side of the midway where the food is, the smell is incredible. Um, but the foods, um, yeah, definitely check your doctor after you've been there and had a, a, a big evening of carnival food. But just so tasty and, and just uh there's nothing more than than the smell of those foods being cooked and you know just a great opportunity and really an impressive piece it sits behind the, the barn um is the 4-h um uh concession stand yeah world famous milkshakes which are second to none I, i'd almost want to see them tip them upside down like they do a dairy queen blizzard right because they're very thick uh but that entire concession stand with the help of adults cooking but you know, exchanging the money, taking orders. That's all done by the 4-H uh, members themselves, the kids, and they just do a phenomenal job. And um, It's very, very good food, very, very cheaply priced. Uh, I was really surprised at how, how cost-effective uh, cost it was. Uh, you know, fed my whole staff with a very small fee, and it was exciting. It goes right to 4-H, so that's the, that's the most important part. But just can't say enough about the fair. It's, it's a great opportunity. Glad to see it back. And a couple year hiatus because of COVID, and um, the only other time I was told that the, the fair wasn't active was uh, during World War II, and it was actually a Japanese and German prisoner of war camp. So, being used for better things now. So we're excited. Well, if if anybody ever did it at the fair last week, they can just hit up some any of the local farmers markets around the county and get their share of vegetables to uh, make sure they clear the system so the doctors don't yell too much. So there you go. Yeah. yeah totally. So, Farmers Market, Jamestown, there's Westfield on Saturday, Jamestown on Saturday. You've got one here in Mayville on Thursdays as well as Lakewood. So, yeah, I don't want to exclude any other, but those are the four that I, I'm usually most aware of. But, yeah, get out and get some fresh vegetables, hit these farmers markets, and, and start to support. Again, because there's a, a myriad of local businesses um, that also, you know, are there to ac- accentuate, um, you know, and, and get their products out in Chautauqua County. Mm-hmm. Anything else uh, going on that you'd like to highlight? I think we're good right now. You know, it, it, it's ironic. You know, uh, you know, we'll be uh, August will be upon us, and it's really kind of like the slowing down of summer, if you will. You know, before too long, you know, we'll start to see the back to school sales and everything else. But um, you know, we just you know ask everyone to be safe when you're out uh, this weekend and on our waterways, and you know, experience everything you can here in Chautauqua County, um, our attractions, our amusements, but but also just do it in a safe manner and you know i'd like to thank everybody who was part of the fair i'd like to thank everyone who you know is working in our travel and tourism industry this is our busy time and uh i'd like to thank the you know the tourists who are coming here and making chautauqua county a destination for their summer and their their members to begin so really excited for everything we have and 
you know, looking to see what the future has in store for us. All right. Well, County Executive P.J. Wendell, thank you for being on the phone with us today. Thanks for having me.